Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week we're not doing like a hot topic, what's going on in the magic world thing as much. Yeah, kind of. It was uh, a little, it was kind of quiet news like two weeks ago. Yeah. But we're going to rehash it and talk about why it's a thing. Yeah. This weekend, if you didn't see, uh, my Saturday night was spent recording two hours of the uh, whispered about but yet to be seen <laughs> casual try hard salt eye. It's sweet. It is. The short of it is mono red is a problem. Yep. We've got to figure out how to shore that up. But if anyone wants to play past turn four, you win all those games. Absolutely. I played just just a little bit over the weekend after watching your video. I've been messing with a little bit before that too. But this weekend, if you were paying attention to some of the tournaments that were going around, DreamHack happened. And there was a Teamer Adventure deck that won the event and was also getting some press on Twitter and stuff. This deck clowns that deck. Yeah, I played against it once, and I was like, this deck seems awful as I yeah. just, like, grounded into the dust. Yeah, I think I, I dubbed it the Uro Freight Train. Yeah. Just, like, ran them over. Um, I played Blue-White. It's no contest. You make them look like they're playing a different game of Magic. Yeah, if if you don't like Blue-White, yeah. this deck just clowns Blue-White yeah. at all points. Yeah, it doesn't matter what they do. It's like, oh, you played your third Banishing Light? That's cool. I'm just going to yep. play my fifth, my fourth <laughs> Uro. I'm going to cast the same Uro for the seventh time, and right. we're just going to get there. Or I'm going to start blinking Agents of Treacheries and start stealing all your lands. Yeah. The video that I recorded, I was mm-hmm. like, man, this Nissa is the only thing keeping me in the game. Yep. Agent, take your Nissa <laughs> attack with Uro. Okay, cool. Now it's keeping me in the game. Yeah, good luck drawing extra cards and catching back up now. Thank you for your uh, yeah. for your support here. Yep. That went out on YouTube, and I let everyone know at Casual Tripod on Twitter. Yep, I believe you also made a Facebook post at Casual Tryhard MTG. If you guys want to uh, leave us some criticisms, comments, concerns, whatever, you can shoot us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. I'm fragile. I'm not. Okay. I, got, I got big shoulders. I got thick skin. Lay it on me, buddy. <laughs> Make sure if you're going to pick up any uh, any singles that you can't find locally, uh, you use our TCG affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. I'm going to give you a quick tip. Croxas are starting to spike. If you wanted to grab some, maybe think about using our link to pick some up. I know I checked. We're recording Monday. I checked last night. Uh, you could get foils for about 10 bucks. As of lunch today, they were like 14 So they're on their way up. I don't know what they'll be by the time you guys listen to this, but if you were thinking about grabbing some, head over to TCG Player, use our affiliate link. We get a very small sliver of, of your purchase to help us fund this wonderful show. So um, I, was, I was just flipping through yeah. uh, the old YouTube thing here. 18 people have already watched that video. Nice. Apparently 165 people watched me play Jeskai Planeswalkers back in May. So oh. there we go. All right. So, yeah, tell tell your friends. Oh, we also learned that uh, the clip your game feature mm-hmm. uh, that's built into Windows yeah. stops after two hours. Oh, okay. So I was doing our, like, get us on uh, – Email us oh, at, and it cut and off. It cut off. <laughs> and I was like, all right then. Note to self, keep it under two hours. We know how long this thing goes now. Yeah. You can check us out on, like we mentioned, our YouTube channel. Uh, all of our shows go up there. Also, any kind of random content that we decide to produce, like your gameplay video over the weekend, 
Um, you said you might do another treat for our listeners coming out next week. Yeah, we'll see if I have time. I've got to burn through our uh, some more mana hours on mana traders here to uh, use. Uh, so I might have a pioneer brew that yep. I want to try out. So. Yeah. That'd be a cool thing. Yeah. Um, I know like once or twice I've done a couple quick deck techs on there. Not that we do regular content other than our show, but whenever we have a chance, we try and throw something up there. So you yeah, can check. I mean, I enjoyed talking through the, the Sultai deck. Yeah, I mean, you did a really good job of explaining your plays and the lines you were taking and stuff, too. Yeah. the I, I was going back through it, and I was like, got to the point where I was like, I should thought erasure them because they have an Everclear. <laughs> but I'm also just going to play this 5-6 and hope they don't. And I was yeah. like, they attacked with all. They yeah, have an Everclear. I am dead now. Yeah. But I had to do something. <laughs> this seemed like the best option of all these bad options. Yep. Make sure you also tell all your friends about our show. I know we've had a, a couple new listeners or newer listeners yeah. get a hold of us on Facebook and email and stuff. Uh, make sure you're telling our friends about our show. You can listen to us basically anywhere podcasts are available. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And that's also Casual Tryhard MTG in all of those places. Yeah. If you guys want to give us show ideas or ask us personal questions, I guess not, well, I mean, you can ask us personal questions, but if you want to ask us magic questions, get a hold of us anywhere you want to, any of those above ways. Our Patreon's also live if you want to throw a dollar or two into the pot and help cover some of our uh, hosting fees and yeah and if I start if we start making pioneer content we might uh, you know need to pay for good old mana traders yep we got to find the happy medium I think yeah. the 60 dollar one might be a little too much a little much yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but yeah. if that's content that you guys want to uh, participate in watch whatever, let us know. Like yeah. I said, throw a buck or two into the pot. Help us pay for some of this stuff. And we had a whole bunch of people contribute to the data sheets this week. Yep. Thank you very much for doing that. We'll get back to the data at the end. But speaking of data... We're going to talk about changes in data. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of the datas. Yeah. This is thanks to uh, listener extraordinaire Ken, uh, one of our early listeners. He, he's he been with us for a while now. Yeah, international. He's got us on the... Yeah. I would say the European continent, but they kind of left Europe. So I don't, yeah, know, where Ken, I don't know where Ken falls on that, but things he, have changed. Yeah, I think he said he's in London, right? Yeah. He wants to hear about data transparency. Yeah. So I guess a little background. Mm -hmm. What kind of brought this to the fore? Uh, Frank Karsten, uh, who has a PhD in game theory and is a university professor... I want to say like in the Netherlands. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's in the Netherlands. I, um, I meant, real quick, I meant to ask you this before the show, but I'm going to look like a dumbass and ask you right now. What's that other thing he has a degree in? Stoic, sto, stochastic stochastic something. operations? It's a, I do believe it's a type of math or statistics. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it's math slash statistics, that kind of area. All right. Yeah, he's very smart. He's an all-around math guy. Yeah. He used to play Affinity because it's just basically like math yep. with cardboard. Well, he used to get to write an article mm -hmm. where he kind of broke down the metagame and would look at win rates, win in particular. rates, and compare decks. Yep. And someone normally it was like after Pro Tours, right? Yeah. Uh, or like I think sometimes GPs, but Pro okay. Tours mainly for sure. 
And someone was like, so when's that article coming out? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm no longer allowed to write it. Right. And so that got everyone talking about wizards and data. Yep. And that, I think, got Ken asking about kind of where wizard stands and magic stands with data right now. Yeah. I don't think he had a real specific question. I think yeah. he just kind of wanted to hear our thoughts on, yeah, like, like I said, data know, transparency. And we've been playing for long enough. We've kind of seen the mm-hmm. evolution of... Back in my day. Yeah. I mean, we could start, you know, I don't know how you want to do this. We could do back in my day, right? Yeah. So we go way back in my day, like mm-hmm. in high school. Okay. Right. If you think about like mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. There was I, no data. I didn't know there was a Pro Tour. People talk about like playing on the Pro Tour yeah. and stuff like back in the mid-90s. Yeah. I had no idea. Um, like I thought Magic was kind of like Monopoly on some <laughs> level, right? You just played, played it. with your friends. Yeah, and yeah. then like that was lunch it. was over and you were done. Yeah. I didn't know there was this whole other world out there of yeah. Stuff I used to uh, I used to go to like smallish local events, yeah. so I knew that there was some sort of competitive scene, and I do remember there was an ad for the first Pro Tour in like the Duelist. Yeah, I don't remember if it was in the Duelist or Inquest or Scry yeah. or one of those, but there was an ad where you could fill it out and mail it in, and if you got your you could, thing like, in early call. enough, yeah, there was like you called yeah, and you like, could get your invite. Yeah, you could call, and they would, like, if they answered the phone, you got to go. Yeah. It was like a radio contest yeah. almost. Like, I, I was in Syracuse, and the first pro tour was in New York City, and I remember asking my mom if this was a thing that I could do. And uh, she said, not no, but hell no, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there was, like, I did know of, you know, competitive stuff yeah, a little there bit. Yeah, but but it wasn't, like... Certainly but, like, not you, like it is like, today. Decks were non-functional right. on some level, yeah. partly because of the cards, yeah. and partly because we played 20 lands yeah. and tried to cast five drops because we didn't understand how right. mana worked in statistics, at least yep. like the kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Also, and- like there was a very long period of time where I know like when Richard Garfield designed the game, he didn't expect for everybody to know all of the cards. Yes. Um, there was a very long time where people didn't know all of the cards. Yeah, like because I, you just I know, didn't open enough. Yeah, and not only that, but you know, you're playing with you know 20 people, and that was you know a good scene was 20 people, and you know you had no idea what was in antiquities or legends or the dark or whatever they they never like anticipated people going in and buying an entire box of booster packs right right they thought you would buy like a starter deck and three packs and then be good yep and then people were like i want to buy all your packs why (laughs) take cardboard crack give me your money i am fine with that yeah but there was no like set files either though. Yeah. There was no set files. There was no internet for the most part Yeah, that you could go like find deck lists. Well, I remember, I remember talking to people about, I don't want to say archetypes because they weren't even really archetypes, but talking to people about like deck ideas on news groups, but that was like cutting edge. Yeah. It wasn't, was not like, widespread. Like the earliest magic content was like we're like tournament reports. Yeah. Like hey, I played against these people. This is what I saw, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, there was nothing. Right. So the like meta game, as it were, mm-hmm. was your meta game 
in your 20 people. I think right. you talked about like you had like if your friend played like mono green mm-hmm. and you were losing, you put like three circle protection white white in your deck yeah. and you're like got that mono green thing shored <laughs> up now. Right? And so you did stuff like that yeah. because you weren't thinking about I've got to play against 15 random people right. out of a thousand in yeah. this event, right? Yep. So that's how things were at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And at some point before we started playing again back right. five, six years ago now, yeah, um, they started doing with the you know with Magic Online they would do deck dumps, mm-hmm. and they they work differently than deck dumps work today. But it used to be any deck that five owed right got put up on the Magic Online mm-hmm. deck list. Yep, and so that was how you could tell. What was doing well mm-hmm. on Magic Online? You could get a sense of what the metagame was, yep. what people were playing. You got to see all of the deck lists, so you could like put a hard percentage on what the metagame was. Yeah. When you saw all the five O lists, you could say, "Oh, out of all of these five O lists, we saw twenty percent mono red." Right, and then you could also go in and see individual card choices. Mm-hmm. Oh well, twenty percent of the decks were mono red, but of them, seventy percent were playing four annexes. Right. Hmm. Maybe annex is a card that I need to adopt because it's showing up in all these decks. Yep. Or like they all play three annexes, but this other card. So maybe that's the right way to do it. So yeah. you could see not only the percentages, but you could watch how decks changed across time. Mm-hmm. Because you could, from one week to another to another, see cards move from the sideboard to the main deck. Or see cards in the sideboard change Mm -hmm. to reflect what was happening. Or cards get trimmed or mana bases change or whatever. Yeah. So you could follow that and so you could get a really good sense of what the metagame was. Mm -hmm. And that sounds all well and good. Mm -hmm. But from Wizards' perspective, I think that led to you being able to figure out things faster. Yeah. And another thing that contributed to figuring things out was the Pro Tours. Yeah, so they used to, like back before they, back when we had Pro Tours, uh, before they changed them, they were always linked to a new set release, and they were like two to three weeks after set release. Yeah. So you had pre-release, you had set release, and then you had two weeks where all of the pros were feverishly trying to figure a new format out. And then you had the Pro Tour, like, immediately afterwards. Yep. So it took two weeks or whatever for all of the best players in the world to come to a consensus and bring their best deck to a tournament. And that kind of set the metagame for the rest of the season. Exactly. Usually that would set it and it would move a little. Yeah. But it would kind of stay static and maybe six or eight weeks later in the kind of the trailing edge of mm-hmm. standard some new deck would pop up for like yeah. two weeks or something because like things had gotten just right for this deck yeah. to be to well, be good kind of like what happened with rally rally combo right rally the mono blue prison deck yeah. uh at the end of because it was like shadows mm-hmm. battle for zendikar I'm trying to think anointed procession hidden yeah. stockpile yep right so all these decks kind of there was a set metagame, and then they popped up because people were able to, over the course of 
six weeks. Identify a weak point and, and slot something in there. And build something to, to do that. Yep. Um, one more thing about data, how it used to be, was uh, Star City Games. Like, what they do with their data hasn't changed. They still give us all of the same data they always have. Yes. But Star City Events used to, like the Opens in particular, used to carry a Pro Tour invite, and they don't anymore. So it puts a little bit less emphasis on spiking an Open. Like, I think in order to win a PT invite from Star City now, you have to win an Envy. You have to win the Invitational. Uh, which is a lot harder to do. Which is you've got to win, like, two Opens. Yeah. Or, like, win an IQ and then drive to the worst convention center I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah. And then win a 500-person tournament. Yeah. Because there's a little bit less emphasis on, like, the Star City events in general, some of that data isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah. So that can change a little bit. And then the other thing that changed with Star City is we used to get release weekend standard events from Star City Games where it was whatever open was on release weekend of set release, it was standard. And that data would then help inform the Pro Tour data because that right. would give the pros a place to start yep. building. Like, oh, we hadn't thought about that. I guess we should try that. Yeah. Or, oh, this is going to be the meta game for... Because it would usually be open mm-hmm. was standard. Yep. Then the next weekend there would be like a GP that mm-hmm. was usually standard yeah. then the next weekend had a limited gp yep before the, the pro, pro tour. tour so that was like usually how it went so it's like the third or fourth week you'd have your, your yep. thing and that scg event would set the meta game for, for the gp, the GP yep. and then that the those two data points would then help the pros build for the the pro tour the pro tour yep and they don't do that anymore. They're like team events now. Yeah, now they're team events. And like we always say when we look at team data, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because it's completely reasonable for one less than stellar deck to be propped up by two really good decks. Yeah, or you know, or you have in the SEG circuit, I think there is like a clear delineation in like skill level. Yeah between like the people that are can people whose names you know mm-hmm. or that consistently date to the, the grinders on the SEG tour and then like a lot of the other people. Yep. Right? Like the people that are like, oh there's an event in my hometown, I'm gonna go. Right. And so like I think that also sometimes skews the data where maybe like not the best deck. Uh but a good deck in the hands of yeah. a skilled player can oftentimes beat Mm -hmm. the best deck in the hands of a less skilled player. Right. So like that, I think also skews stuff with SCG is yeah, you can most weekends, if you give me a list of like the top 32, like SCG grinders, yeah, right. Their top 32 list. If all 32 of them are at the event, I don't know, 20 of them are going to day two. Yep. And so like with that consistency, there, there's, you know, there is a skill gap there. Yeah. So now oftentimes they're on the best deck, mm-hmm. but there yeah. is like some of those decks might get propped up because yeah. there's a big gap. So that's how things have were. Yeah. Right. So what happened to change all this stuff? When did it start changing? Goblin Chain Whirler? That was before that. I thought that like Red Black's 
the red black standard where it was just like this is the best deck it was even just a touch before that what was the deck it was it was, was a raid around kaladesh so it was somewhere between like bant company and teamer energy it was like right in there okay because i remember like coming to a head with like i think they changed they made another change to the 5-0 deck list or something around red black yeah but they, they made a change and they made another change right afterwards okay yeah so basically standard got really stale yeah really fast yeah because in wizard's eyes we're giving you all the decks right you can just look at all the decks that other people have worked on mm-hmm. you can know exactly what deck is what percentage of the meta game yeah so you know what to play plus you also know what to complain about right or i guess when to complain mm-hmm. when red black is 50 percent of the metagame yeah. of, of the 5-0 decks on magic online you know that you should complain that standard is broken yeah, I mean, like I said, it was before that yeah. also, like with Marvel. Yeah. Well, I remember with Marvel, they banned something out of it, but then they also were like, basically, hey, you idiots, it only has a 48% win rate. Yeah. Why are you still playing it? It's not that good. Yeah. So they like used the data that they had as mm-hmm. a cudgel to be like, hey, <laughs> this deck's not good. Why are you still playing it? It's like, like, do you know what it feels like to turn floor Ulamog someone? <laughs> And take two of their lands. It's glorious. You win every game you do that. Yeah. I know some games games I don't do that, but I win every <laughs> game I do that. Yeah. But yeah, so basically when Standard got stale, mm-hmm. they looked at it as, oh, Standard is stale because we're giving them 1,200 cards. Right. And, or, you know, 2,000 cards. Yeah, or whatever it is. And out of those cards, 200 of them are playable and, and constructed. Mm-hmm. And they're figuring out exactly which 75 yeah. or what 15 of those cards they should put four of in their deck. Right. To have the best standard deck way too quickly. Because mm-hmm. basically, like we said, you'd hit the Pro Tour and that'd be your metagame for like yeah. three or four weeks or Until a month and a half. Until people decided it was time to start innovating, yeah. Yeah. Or when they were able to like find the chink in the armor. Mm-hmm. So... They wanted to try to slow down mm-hmm. the slowdown of standard. The like, hey, I know exactly what I'm going to play against at this tournament. I don't want to go to this tournament because it's blah. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I'm going to play against fill in the blank deck three times yeah. or five times in my nine rounds. I don't want to do this. Standard isn't fun. Yeah. So to to try and stop that, they changed the way they are giving us the deck list now. Yes. Um, I don't remember what the first change was made or what the second change was made, but now we get not all 5-0 deck lists. We get a hand-selected number of deck lists. I don't know if it's hand-selected or if it's... I thought it was something like... You had to have 25% of the cards in the deck be different. There's some... There, there is a number. There is a threshold yeah. where they say there's enough cards different that we think these are two different archetypes. Well, right. But what I meant was they, they pick one of the lists that yeah, so, shared you so, know, yeah, so, if so there many are, cards. So if there are 45 5-0 decks that are the exact same list, they're the exact yeah. same mono-red list. Yeah. You see one. Right. Even so, if they were like five to six cards different, 
which in a lot of decks, that's a big deal. Like if yeah. you only have, you know, four to eight flex slots, that's what you're trying to look for is what different people are playing in those flex slots. That's not information you have access to anymore. Yeah. So they've changed that. So yeah. you're seeing less decks. Now, like the Pioneer deck dumps are still like a lot of decks. Yes. But the standard deck dumps, I think, are significantly smaller than they used to be oh, because yeah. there's... It might be like 12. Yeah, because one, you have more people playing on Arena. Yep. So you just have less people less in the people. leagues on Magic yeah. Online. And two, if there were 100 people that went 5-0, mm. but only by whatever cutoff, 12 unique decks, right? then you only see those 12 decks. And you don't have that ability to say like, this is what the successful red decks are doing, or this is what the successful blue-white control decks are doing. Right. It makes it a lot harder to get a feel for the metagame. Yeah, it's also harder for you to track changes because those, you know, moving from 3NX to 4NX, you're not going to see. Yeah. Like, if, if, you're, if they're cherry-picking one, you know, one of the mono-red decks to look at every week, you might not see that move from 3 to 4NX for two to three weeks. Because you just, they yeah. just don't pick the 4NX deck. Right. Not that they're like, you know... In, the, in a cave somewhere being like, oh, we're not going to show them the four Annex deck. Right, just, it just might not. They just, like, you know, the computer picks yeah. a deck or, you know, Ian Duke picks a deck and he just yeah. picks the three Annex deck because he's like, I already got this one typed up. I just have to change <laughs> I just have to change the name and the date and we're good. Yeah. Yeah, it makes, makes it a lot harder. Yeah. And um, like I said, I think they were trying to accomplish two things. Mm -hmm. One, make it so standard doesn't get figured out as quickly. Right. Two... Make it so it's less obvious when you should be complaining about standard. Sure. I don't think that worked, but... <laughs> I don't think it worked either. But again, like, if they were showing all of the Magic Online decks mm -hmm. right after they banned Field of the Dead... Right. And it automatically pegged to 70% Oko. Oko. Yeah. Right? you would have had more people angry. There probably would have been smaller GPs sooner because mm -hmm. people were like, why am I even going to bother? Right. Right. Third thing. Third thing. Trying to get back to that like feeling of when there was no data, right? Where you right. were able to like brew on your own. Yeah. Kind of leading what you had, like brew yeah. on your own, find things on your own, mm -hmm. right? Not just like net decking, right? It's you called Keyforge. Keyforge. <laughs> But you just get to, like, do your own thing yeah. and not, you know, and get that, like, kind of air of discovery, like, oh, hey, I could do this, mm -hmm. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah, I think those days are long, long gone. gone. But, yeah. So another thing that Wizards did to change the way we get our data is to change when we get our data. So we used to get Pro Tours, like you said, two or three weeks or whatever after a set release. They changed that, and then Pro Tours were not linked to a particular set. Like, we used to have Pro Tour Kaladesh and Pro Tour Aether Revolt, and, you know, Whatever. every Pro Tour was linked to a set release. For a while there, before they did away with Pro Tours, we had Pro Tours that were not linked to any set. And then for a while, we had Pro Tours that were only three times a year instead of four times a year. They filled in with the Mythic Invitational or whatever, because yeah. that wasn't technically a Pro Tour. So then we only had three Pro Tours instead of four, whatever. But this means that the pros don't immediately start working on breaking a format 
because the meta could be different whenever the Pro Tour is. Exactly. So you're not having, you know, a whole bunch of people whose job it is to find the best deck for a format immediately descend upon a card file and pick it to pieces. Yes. Kind of allows for more time for, like, the general public to play around and, you know, let the format evolve a little bit naturally. Which, saying that, it's like, from what we've said recently about Arena's impact on thing is a quaint thought. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Arena, though, like, it would have worked to some extent. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love Arena. Like, if they put Pioneer and or Modern on Arena, I would have a hard time, like, showing up for actual events, I think. Functioning as an adult. Functioning as an adult, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you guys would already have a Pioneer video on YouTube, because I would have already recorded it. Like, I'm just like, okay, I gotta sit down Magic Online again. Yep. We can do this. Yep. Pre arena, mm-hmm. these changes did in some way yeah. slow things down. Oh, they absolutely did. But now that there's arena, like we've talked about, yeah. there's a best deck the Thursday the cards hit arena. Mm-hmm. And there's a different best deck on that Sunday. Right, after pre release. <laughs> and then there's a different best deck on Tuesday. Right. Like the metagame has changed four times before we get to the SCG team event. Yeah, well, I think I was telling you that weekend that we were prepping or whatever for our team event, I was playing all of the standard, like all of it. And I played basically from the time I got out of bed to the time I went to bed for that entire weekend. And I could go back and look at my data and watch the metagame change like hour by hour. Yeah. It was changing so fast. Like that was those were the goals. That's what has changed. But yeah. arena has made that more difficult. Yep. There's no like arena data provided by wizards. Mm-hmm. They definitively have it. Right. Right. They know exactly how many games are being played. They just have to go like. Yeah, and they also know what decks are being played. I mean, those the decks aren't stored on my computer. They know exactly what you deck you queued up with. Yeah. What you played against. Yep. And who won. Yep. Right. They know all that information, but they don't want to put it out. Mm-hmm. And so it has fallen to other people. Yeah, like us. Like us to try to figure that out. And there are also people that play more arena than, you know, the six or seven of us in a given week that mm-hmm. put, put the data in that are also like tra- have programs in the background tracking all of their games. Yeah. And telling them, like, what they're playing against Mm -hmm. and uh, stuff like that. Like, apparently, like, some of these programs can, like, will track what cards are left in your deck and show you, like, percentages to draw things. Really? Yeah. Like, it'll tell you, like, exactly what cards are in your deck. I messed around with one of those, like, way back when Arena was still in beta. Yeah. And I wasn't super happy with it. There's, like, three or four different ones now. Okay. Maybe I'll have to but check yeah, like out. I've seen people say like, oh, I won a game because I knew what card to name yeah. to like hit something yeah. because I knew how many cards were in my deck and hmm. what cards were left and things exactly like that. What? Huh. Right. If you personally play, you know, 30 games of arena or matches of arena a night, yeah, which sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of people playing that much arena. Oh, yeah. Right. And if you log all of your games mm-hmm. and then you have two or three other people in your like testing group that are doing the same thing. Right. 
right? After like two days, you have 300 matches worth of information. That's a ton. And you can like start to see like what you're playing against. Yeah. And then this goes, and then they're doing it. And, you know, maybe it's public or maybe it's not. I've not found it. Yeah, yeah. But I've definitely seen people that are like, they put up their arena deck list, like, hey, here's my deck. And then they like put up their like, they're, hey, this session you won 75% of your games. Hmm. And here's everything you I played against and my win-loss record against everything. Hmm. And so they have all that tracked on this. I think they have to probably identify what the deck they're playing is against. Yeah. And so they might have to just go like click. Yeah. Like, yep, this is blue white. I'll have to but, check that out. But they but they're doing it themselves. Yeah. So that data collection is happening on a smaller scale and it is rewarding the people that have the infrastructure yeah. to get to that data. Yeah. We get a little bit of a reward because we have you know, mm-hmm. we have our thing, but you know, I'm assuming most of the casual tryhards are not, you know, <laughs> playing Jamming forty games a night. Yeah, aren't like, well, got done with work. I guess yeah. now I will go home and drink some like gamer fuel <laughs> and just not move for Eat the next Cheetos seven and, hours. Yeah. You cannot kill that which does not live. <laughs> or that which does not have a life. Us doing our thing is is important because mm-hmm. it gives us a snapshot and like you know, the rest of the world, like, hey, here's right. a sample, and, you know, this week's data looks a little weird, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's because we, you know, didn't have enough. Right. I think it's just, like, things are a-changing. Mm-hmm. Very well could be. Right. Twitter is filling in the gaps. Yeah. Twitter, there are a lot of accounts that are just, like, uh, regurgitating deck lists. Deck aggregators, yeah. Yeah. Another podcast, Arena Decklist. It's all right to shout them out, right? Yeah, we talk about them a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think we both listen to them pretty regularly. Yeah. They have uh, definitely have their finger on the pulse of the standard community. Yes. But they do a good job about retweeting decklists. All of the pros do a pretty good job about shouting out what they're currently playing. Um, some of them even with, like, sideboard guides. Yeah. Um, the problem with Twitter, though, is that it's a cesspool. It is. I was talking to someone about that today, but yes, yeah. it is. Um, you've got to wait. You've got to wade through some crazy stuff to get to the deck list every so yeah. often. In addition to the craziness, there are so many tweets. Yeah. If you like, I follow a small number of people, mm-hmm. and by design, like arena deck lists and a yeah. few other things. But you have the situation where if you follow the entire MPL, right? Plus, then you follow arena deck lists, and then you follow like. 10 other pros or something yeah you might get some deck lists but you're gonna get like some craziness some like cat pictures some dogs you you don't know what you're in so it's hard to like sift through all of that information yeah to get to that piece of information that you want yep so while it's there it's not always great yeah another another thing that we'd have on here are like the the various like podcast or like mm-hmm. pro discord servers yeah where like arena deck list has you know a bunch of like grinders mm-hmm. in discords building decks and talking about how they see the metagame and again like hey i played 30 matches i played against this 10 times like where's this deck coming from mm-hmm. and someone else being like oh i built that deck here's how it works or whatever right. Right, so they like there's these like little communities that mm-hmm. are able to 
piece together. Yeah, I know a couple times uh, one of our friends, Christos, is uh, part of that Discord. And a couple times I've asked him for, like, can I have a current list for whatever archetype? And he'll, you know, hop in there and see if he can pull me a list for an archetype or whatever. But, yeah, they have... I guess separate little chats like for each different archetype or like people, different people working on different things or whatever. Yeah, you know, you have this, these little like communities now. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a question of like time investment. Yeah. And I, and I'm not saying that like we should be penalizing people that like devote a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like that's whatever. It used to just be all there. Yeah. What was it? Saffron Olive would get to look at it and like would write like, or MTG Goldfish would then yeah. write a like, Here's the Magic Online meta game. Here's what's changed it. Like, condense it down into one article. Mm-hmm. Where if you had 20 minutes, you could read the article. Yeah. It wasn't like you've got to devote two hours to sift through yeah. three discords that you're paying $5 a piece to be a part of. Right. Plus then, like, go cobble together some data from here and there. Mm-hmm. It used to just be like, hey, here's what everything looks like. Right. So, like, it's still the same amount of data, maybe more, but now yeah. it's just scattered. Well, I mean, it's very, it's kind of different data, too, because the same, the same kind of, or the data that we were getting was kind of concrete, right? It was these decks won. Here are the numbers of decks that won. Yeah. You know, went undefeated in five rounds or whatever. And now you're getting decks that somebody on Twitter thought was good. Or decks that a streamer randomly ran through a league, but you don't get the fact that, you know, there was four people in Twitch chat contributing to him playing that that well or whatever. Or, or that it was, you know, a goof where the, they had to build a deck containing these three cards or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you kind of loot, some of that can dilute the actual data. And then, like, your thing about discords is, sure, you you know, you might have some results, but if you're seeing deck lists that are, like, a work in progress, that's not the same thing as a deck that, like, won a tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's just more that, like, you're not seeing that concrete, these are the decks that are good, but you also are just not seeing all the information in one place. Yeah. Which makes it just hard for you to oh, find yeah. what you, what you're looking for, yep. and you just have to sift through more. Mm-hmm. We already kind of talked about like good old uh, Frank Karsten. So Frank used to yeah. do this, used to do this thing, and would break down metagame percentages, win rates, and what people. Arena Decklist brought this up. Like he used to write this article and frame it as like, oh hey, people showed up with blue green Oko, mm-hmm. right? But the deck that really beat up on Blue Green Oko mm-hmm. was Red Black Sacrifice or yeah, whatever, whatever, right? It was. And like he would write it in such a way that it would try to shift or move the metagame. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know we're all complaining about Oko, but there's this deck that beats Oko. Mm-hmm. We should be working towards that. He would highlight decks that were interesting or that did really well. Yeah in the face of that metagame that might not get the the run mm-hmm. that they would normally get. Kind of like at the, I guess, Players Tour Brussels, mm-hmm. right? Like, I know Saltide Delirium won, but it was, like, seven people showed up with it, and, like, yeah. six of them or seven of them all day two mm-hmm. and they all went, like, 
eleven you know, and four or whatever. Yeah, they all went yeah. eleven and four overall. They like they all were like six two or whatever, or in or you know six three or better in constructed or yeah. whatever it was. Right? He would fo- he would bring that deck to the forefront, even if it even if no one top aided with it, and be like, yeah. look. This deck was great. This is maybe where we should be moving, mm-hmm. or here's and bring it to the the four, and like you're losing that, like the the positive framing of the meta game and where things are. Yeah, and so in addition to all these other places, kind of filling the the gaps, there's Mox Insights. Okay, I don't know about that one. So what they've been doing for oh, are they the like user generated? Yeah. Okay. So what they do is they basically put out a call they go to like the p they go to the grand prix mm-hmm. and they just kind of like start polling people right like okay what are you on what did you play against yeah how did you do and then they do it on twitter as well and i think again they have like i've seen their threads on reddit also yeah reddit so they are basically polling people to get you know the the information mm-hmm. and you know i think they they write an article on channel fireball Okay. Where they are like color coding like what decks did well, what decks did poorly, mm-hmm. and just all this like information and like now people have started doing confidence intervals. Have you seen these? No. Where they're like, Okay, this deck had a fifty five percent win rate, but its range of win rate might have been forty eight percent to sixty two percent. Huh. Right, based on the yeah. sample, the sample and everything. Basically, they're, they're doing uh, standard deviations. Yeah, right. But they're doing that for all these decks, so I feel like they're getting maybe not as good of information. Yeah, but they're generating like more information and like being a little bit more deep and thorough with their analysis of yeah. what they're able to get. So, like the data is existing; it's just. Do you have the time to sift through all of it? Right. And I don't think that they're accomplishing their goal of making standard fresh and fun. Yeah, no. For, you know, however long. Well, I or mean, even I, older I think, formats. I think Arena's part of that. Yeah, yeah. well, I don't, I don't think the older formats are having the same problem, though. They're not, but you still, like, the Pioneer metagame has been solved, in air quotes, for the yeah. last month. Yeah. Right? you know what the two to three best decks are Mm -hmm. that are the best decks by a mile. Right. In modern, you know that you're supposed to pay four and two green to win the game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, legacy is the wild west. (laughs) Yeah. You were telling me about some crazy decks before we started. Oh my God. Legacy, I think has been impacted more by the power creep in standard than anything else. They throw these cards that look crazy in standard. Yeah. But don't have the pieces like Underworld Breach. Right. And they just then blow Legacy into a million pieces. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you know that deck that you've played for years? I, I do. Yes. I can never beat this in a million years. <laughs> Claymore. It's like, oh, cool. Cool. I'm glad I have this in foil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's just like, oh, wow. Like having data and Legacy to kind of see where things are moving not that like legacy should move that often but it right. just seems like every set it's just like rotation <laughs> we're rotating again veil of summer run and six underworld oh. breach oko oko yeah uro 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I played against some Uros. Yeah. I was like, what is going Oh, I like Uro. Oh, God. I got my foils of those. I mixed I mix, <laughs> I mix, miss the croaks of us, but I got some foils of that. I'm telling you, get in now. They're only 14 bucks. But you have this situation where Wizard's point of view is we want to make standard as fun as possible for right. as long as possible. And the problem is, is that the people that play Magic... Mm-hmm want to win as many games of magic <laughs> as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. Right. And so they're like at odds. Yeah. Because as you guys, as you guys know, in gals, gals, uh, <laughs> you, back uh, in my day, back in my day, the um, dames. <laughs> God, God, now we're going to get hate mail. Uh, right. Like if you want to just show up to your F and M with like, a deck. Yeah. Right? That's really hard to win your F&M. Yeah. Or, like, a game. <laughs> right? Or you're like, hey, I want to play a brew on Arena. And you're like, an hour later, you're like, well, I lost all my matches. <laughs> that was a waste of an hour. I guess I need to do something different now. Yeah. I think, overall, it's probably bad mm-hmm. that they don't put the data out there. Yeah. I definitely liked it better when we had all of the data. But to some extent, I I agree that something needs to be done, especially for Arena. And I'm going to kind of go off on a little tangent here. I think you and I both agree that Magic by far is better in paper than digitally. I think so. Like the games are more fun. There's, you know, the social aspect of the game. I enjoy the, um, like the bluffing a little bit. Yeah. That you really can't. Not to say that you can't, but it's really hard to portray digitally. Yeah. I'm going to put in full control mode and make them think I have something. I really like that part of the game. And I think that if people are just playing on Arena or Magic Online or whatever, I get that it's more convenient. You know, we're both guilty of playing a bunch of Magic digitally. Yeah. But I think if people are being pushed digitally, you're losing like a huge chunk of the game that a lot of people are going to enjoy. Or miss or whatever. So I, I think that something has to be done to kind of tone down like how fast things are moving digitally. I mean, you're never going to stop like the sheer number of games being played on Arena. But like there has to be some incentive for those people to go play in paper. And there really isn't. Yeah, I mean, it is something that like is Magic's greatest strength and greatest weakness, like being a paper game. Yeah. Right, you don't have the advantage of you know what we should have made Oko's thing a minus. Yeah, we're just let's gonna fix that. We're gonna go in and fix it. Like no, like that's a huge errata. You can't just right. like errata Oko to have a minus one. Yeah, uh, make a thing a three three or whatever. Yeah, or a minus two or whatever it is. Right, we, you can't just do that. You don't have the ability to like change ten million cards. Yeah. Right, where like if you're Hearthstone or Eternal and your metagame gets stale, what do you do? You just do? click a button. You go like, oh, well, we miscost this card. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be an 04. It should be an 03. Yeah. Right? And should cost one more mana. Yeah. Uh, we don't have that ability. We also don't have abil- the ability really as like a paper game to be like set stale fine we can't errata stuff but we're gonna throw 10 new cards into standard yeah 
halfway through. I mean, they've been kind of doing that with um, the brawl decks. Well, and with um, historic, they've been just like randomly adding cards to historic. Yeah, but you also not that anyone's playing historic, but <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, but it's not like after six weeks they go, here's ten more rares, right? Or like after six weeks we're gonna release the brawl decks. Mm-hmm. So now there are fifteen more cards coming into standard. Yeah. So now standard is different, right? Right. You had standard figured out for six weeks. Now here are fifteen more cards. Now you've got to refigure out standard. Yeah. They're not doing that. Did you watch the uh, Pleasant Kenobi video? About way too many products? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what that just reminded me of right there. Just because it's going to be like a super confusing year, especially if you're trying to teach people the game. Yeah, like what is the thing you're supposed to buy? Right. What is the product for you? Well, it seems like everything has cards in it that are not standard legal now. Yeah, everything does. Is it Jumpstart? Yeah. The cards are legal in Historic. Right. And Legacy and Commander. Right. But they're not legal in Pioneer or Modern. Yeah. But they're or Standard. Or Standard. It's, it's, yeah. But like, so strange. But let's say Jumpstart put 37 new cards into Standard. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new format now. If right. six of those cards are playable in, in Standard, you're going to build a bunch of new decks. Yeah. I think, was it that video or someone else's video also said it comes out like a week after Core 20? I don't know. I know that like like they're doing like... Or Core 21 or whatever. Do you remember that Mystery Boosters still haven't come out in stores? They should be out in like two weeks, I think. But we're currently pimping Jumpstart. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Right? It's not like... This should be built up to, hey, they're going to be Mystery Boosters. Hey, I'm super stoked for Mystery Boosters. But not like... In two weeks, there's mystery boosters, and oh yeah, by the way, there's this other product that you have to yeah. like have money for. So it's just like one thing after the next. Yeah. But we don't have the ability to just go like standards broken. Yeah. Let's fix a card yeah. or let's like you would if it was yeah. solely digital. And so we're not getting keeping the freshness, and there's mm-hmm. nothing they're gonna be able to do. Yeah. Because even if like standard is ends up being like six viable decks Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is you get that like rock scissors paper churn right of well today here's the best deck Mm -hmm. that means i played these two decks oh but now deck number five is the one that beats all of these and i'll it turns to the top so then i have to play these other decks to beat that yeah and then you end up back at the beginning but you're but you're still just rotating through effectively like six decks and it's just like, huh, fun times. Yeah. That's how data has changed. Yeah. And I wish we just had more well-curated and complete. If they just give you all the arena data. Mm-hmm. Right? Then Instead just, of none of it. Yeah, you would just know exactly, like, what was going on. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to change how, like, the Magic metagame changes. Yeah. Because it's changing so fast now. I think every bunch of stuff would like level out. I mm-hmm. think you'd get a bunch of stuff that's like thirteen percent. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure, like, if we look at like, you know what thirteen percent is, though, right? Uh, what six decks? Six decks. <laughs> yeah, you get you know you get your six seven decks, and you're like, yeah. okay, cool. This is this is, but it, but it would be like over the course of a week or two weeks. Yeah, 
you know, every day it would be like 30%. Yeah. Then the next day that deck is 5%. Yeah. Then the next day it's 10, 20, back to 30, back to back 5. Back to 5. And it would just cycle through and eventually it would all just like level, level out. Level out. I wish I, I wish they didn't feel like they had to do this. This was in their interest. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to dissuade them of them thinking this is in their interest. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the data is what it is at this point. I don't think they have any plans on changing it. I mean, the only thing is that they could cut it back more, but I don't know how they could cut it back more. Yeah, I mean, if they cut it back anymore, it's going to be completely irrelevant. It would just, it would just be nothing, and yeah. it would just right. But I mean, if they cut it back anymore, then you would have people that would step in to actively turn a profit by selling magic data. You'd put everything behind a paywall and monetize it. Like any data that you collect would be worth so much. Yeah, and again, it would only take you know you know, 30 people mm-hmm. that played a lot mm-hmm. to like focus on a format and then right. figure out exactly the numbers. Yeah. I mean, it would be doing basically what we're doing, mm-hmm. right? It would just be like, you'd be able to figure out what was being played. Right. And you're like, oh, well, 30% of the people are playing Jun because Crooks is apparently good now. Yeah, it is. My and, boy with the so, belly mouth. Yeah, And so we're going to, so, like, that's the meta game now. So yeah. now we're going to play prime times. Like, you would just get that same kind of thing. Yeah. And. Oh, no. No, 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 no. What? You don't play prime times because Croaks is good. You play Croaks because prime time's good. Oh, he's, is he good against prime time? Yeah. So that was. I, I meant to uh, shoot you the link, but the guy that won the classic with Croaks Adjund wrote a tournament report and he played Amulet six times i think over the course of the tournament and he said single-handedly the best card in the deck for that matchup is croxa just because they discard so much stuff yeah you just like thought sees you now discard a card yep now they just can't put anything together yeah and it runs like ashiok out of the board to keep them from searching yeah they said you just grind them to dust you just make you make everything just awkward enough that nothing works and then just chew them to pieces with a croxa huh because, I mean, once you get one out and you get to, like, swing, yeah. like, it's just done. Yep. You've taken so many. That Kroxa has been a three-for-one. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So, we've, we, we're learning things. Learning. So Learning is fun. I think we've done the data stuff pretty well. Yeah. If anybody had any, like, more specific questions or if we didn't answer what Ken thought he was asking or what we thought Ken was asking... Uh, make sure you shoot us a shoot us a message either on Facebook or email or Twitter or wherever, and uh, we could certainly dive a little bit deeper into it. But that that's what I got out of the question was, you know, talk about data transparency, and I think we talked about all aspects of data transparency. So next up is our kind of ongoing finance segment. Uh, we did guilds last week. We're going to do allegiance this week. I went through every card that was $2 or more, and we're just going to do a real quick buy, sell, hold, maybe a reason or two why. I did update these prices, so these prices are accurate as of Sunday, the 23rd of February. Okay. The Some first of them one, are insane. Yeah, the first one shocked Brian. It was a shock land. Uh, breeding pool is $26.37. Which is absurd. Yeah, that seems pretty high. Get off them if you have extras. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the standard price for a Shockland 
like the historic price for a shock land 10 to 15 bucks 10 to 15 dollars like yep. this is absurd yep and this is because of the next card and its friends well let's talk about the rest of the shock lands okay. real quick because i lumped them all together uh we have in order from highest to least we have breeding pool blood crypt hallowed fountain stomping ground godless shrine they all range from $26.37 for Breeding Pool to $11.13 for Godless Shrine. What do we think about Shocklands, just in I, general? I think that you can just make them go away. Yeah, any any you got extra of are super safe to come off of. They are a staple in standard mana bases right now. I don't think I'd sell like your actual play set because you've probably gotten them from boosters or whatever. But any extras you have, you can absolutely get rid of. Um, they will probably slightly dip post-rotation, but we haven't had a rotation with Pioneer yet. Pioneer is driving some extra extra desire for Shocklands. So, for whatever that's worth. I don't remember what we said about Shocklands last week. I think about the same thing. Okay. Um, I don't know... I don't know how much Hallowed Fountain was. As a thing, I just went and checked the Chulane uh, Precon Brawl deck mm-hmm. to see if it gave you a breeding pool. Yeah. It gives you a Hallowed Fountain. Okay. Right? I mean, I was buying them, parting them out, and selling, like, the Shock yeah. and other stuff. Yeah, the just... Corvold deck, I think, was Stomping Ground. Yeah. You know, Breeding Pool, I don't think, was one of them. Yeah. Oh, is the Breeding Pool, is that in the uh, the Challenger deck? It has to be, right? Mm, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, what is it? It was like something Ferocity? Uh, no, there are none in Flesh of Ferocity. Good job, Wizards. Two Cancel Vantress, one Fable Passage, eight Forest, eight Island, two Temple of Mystery, three Thornwood Falls. Woohoo. Yep. Um, so, Hydroid Crisis. Hydroid Crisis. Is $22. Yeah. Make them go away. I guess so. Like, they're not really getting played in Pioneer. No. I'm going to sell mine probably tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it is a it is a lot of dollars for yeah. a crisis. Yeah. And it, it will certainly go lower at rotation. Yes. Um, next up is Absorb. Mm-hmm. Absorb is $8.80. Which is insanity. Yeah. For a rare. For a rare that, I guess, right now everyone's hot for blue-white. Yeah. Which is why it's going up. I don't think they're played in Pioneer Blue White Control. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, so I think it's pretty safe to get off of Absorb yep. if you're not a Control Mage. Mm-hmm. I agree. Smothering Tithe, Commander All Star. Yep, eight dollars and seventy five cents. Its price is not being driven through Standard or Pioneer or Modern or any other format than Commander. I think I already got rid of mine. Yeah, a while back. So yeah, um, I think that card can go away. Well, I mean, if you're not playing it, it can go away. But because the price isn't being driven by any set that's rotating, it probably gains value over time. Yeah. So maybe not exactly at rotation, but I would expect to creep up after that. Yeah. Since they're not churning any more out, and Commander is definitely a fat, quickly growing format. Next up, we have Kaya. Orzov Usurper for uh, yep, seven she, bucks, basically. Six dollars and ninety cents. So planeswalkers are weird. Planeswalkers are weird. It seems like every planeswalker just ends up being five dollars. 
Yeah. Or more. Like, Ca- it seems like their yeah. floor is like $5. Yeah. Casual players love Planeswalkers. This one is on the cheaper side, CMC-wise. Yeah, being three mana, and it has, like, an eternal playable, like, yeah. ability. Like, it's my, it, both of its abilities kind of slot into yeah. eternal formats. There are also, um, like, more casual collectors that collect Planeswalkers. Yeah. Like, they just want one of every Planeswalker. I don't know. She's not really seeing a whole lot of play. I don't see her seeing a ton of play in the near future. But I don't know that she goes much lower than 7 bucks either. Yeah, like I said, I think Planeswalkers that are higher you can get rid of and think about, like, well, when this is... Five to seven dollars, I'll get it being yeah. five. To, it being five to seven dollars now. Yeah, that's where it's just gonna be. Yep. Uh, next up is Spawn of Mayhem at six dollars and eighty-five cents. It's amazing. This card was also like in a pre-con. Like I thought I yeah. got like hosed, and I think I'm up on them from when I bought them. Uh, this card was also at like twenty dollars a month ago. Yeah. It does see a little bit of play in Pioneers, like a one or a two of. Uh, but most of this, I would say, is coming from standard. And like you said, it was in a precon. There's a ton of these out there. I would probably come off of them before they lose too much more value. Yeah. Uh, after that is Guardian Project at five dollars and eighty-four cents. Do you even know what this card does? Three and a green for an enchantment. When a creature comes into play, if there's not another copy of that creature on the battlefield or in your graveyard, draw a card. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty close. Um, it's a commander card. Yes, doesn't 100%. see play anywhere outside of commander. So I'm gonna call it same deal as smothering tithe. Yeah, it's gonna hold value because of commander. You know, yep, and probably appreciate after the fact. But if you want to get croxes now yep. for something like turn this into a card you're gonna actually play. Yep. Uh, after that is gutter bones at four dollars and fifty nine cents. Um, this does see standard play. It also sees pioneer play. And like it's probably going to continue to see pioneer play yep as um, long as like mono black is like a viable mm-hmm. or even close to viable deck it's going to be a card that gets played i mean it'll probably be reasonable once we get like a decent rakdos mana base also yeah so there's that it's probably safe to come off them if you want to do it right now and then like buy back in at rotation there's probably a couple bucks to be made there but i don't see it being worth a ton more than this at any point either was it in the Corvald deck? Well, while you're looking that up, I'll move on to the next one. Court. Uh, we had Deputy Detention is uh, $3.76. I would say this is mainly because of blue-white right now. Um, I don't believe it sees much uh, Pioneer play. If you're not using them, I would say come off them. If you want them at a later date, you can buy back in closer to rotation. After that is uh, Prime Speaker Vanifair at $3.70. This sees, like, no play anywhere except for Commander. Yeah. So this is another one I'm going to lump in with uh, Smothering Tithe and Guardian Project. Maybe a slow increase over time, but I wouldn't expect any huge gains right away. Yeah, Gutter Bones is in Corval. It's in Corval. All right, so there's extra copies out there, too. It's probably safe to come off of them then, right? Yeah, I have an unopened Corval deck sitting on my desk. There you go. Get rid of the gutter bones, get rid of the stomping ground. You paid for your deck, right? That's basically what I've been doing, yeah. Uh, We have Biogenic Ooze at uh, $3.22. I don't really think this card sees play anywhere, including Commander. I've seen it uh, a few times in Standard. Oh, that's uh, right. It was in your video, right? Was that the one that 
was that, was that the game that they just like kept playing biogenic oozes and making yeah. a million oozes? Yeah. And I still won. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. stealing one of their oozes. Yeah, I stole an ooze, and yeah. I think I stole a Nissa and an ooze, and was going to make a million. Yeah. Oozes, and they were like they scooped. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to play five turns, I got you. <laughs> you want to play four turns, I don't got you. Yeah, I don't know where this card's seeing its value. Like it's yeah, been either. a sideboard card on and off, but I don't think I think it's destined to be like Casual. the fifty cent mythic. Yeah, could very well be. Uh, Bedevil is two dollars and ninety eight cents, which is card, kind of insane. This card doesn't get played anywhere. Right. It should be great. Yeah. It just is. If it was like one red black. Yeah. Cards bonkers. Right. But red, black, black. Just makes it so hard to cast in a, any deck. Yeah. And the mana bases aren't good enough to support it. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't know. What are we doing with Bedevil? I think we just get off of it. It's yeah. not it's too hard to cast in yeah. Pioneer right now and it's yep. too expensive for modern. Yep. If right. if we end up getting a set of lands to fix Pioneer though, I would scoop them. Yeah. Maybe yeah. buy into these at rotation. If you can pick them up for, you know, 50 cents or whatever. Next, we have an uncommon. Wilderness Reclamation. $2.87. Card is busted. Oh, yeah. Real good. Is it Fatal Push good, though? No. So it's probably safe to come off your $3 copies of Wilderness Rec? I think so. I think it's probably okay to come off of those. Yeah. You know, I probably have eight. Mm -hmm. So worst case scenario, get off, like, get down to your playset if you're, like, Maybe I will do something busted with this in the future. Yep. But you could just get off of all of them because once it's out of standard, it's probably like mm-hmm. a buck. Yep. If that. Yep. Uh, my boy, Skargan Hellkite. Yeah. $2.85. Yep. He gone. Yeah. Make him go away. That card won't see play anywhere outside of standard. Yes, it is. It is not better than Stormbreath Dragon, and Stormbreath Dragon sees no play anywhere. It is not better than Glorybringer. This is true. Glorybringer sees no play. It is not better than Thunderbreak Regent. Thunderbreak Regent doesn't see any play. Yes. So, yeah, it just goes away. Yep. Now we have another uncommon. How sad is it that of the top 16 most valuable cards in Allegiance, two of them are uncommons? It's weird, man. Yeah. Uh, Light up the stage. $2.69. I mean, this one's... Sees play in all formats. Sees play in all formats. But there was also an FNM promo. There was. That is kind of pretty. I think you can probably, again, if you have eight, go down to four. Yeah. Uh, and you might have eight because it's an uncommon. Yep. And if you're not like a mono red player, mm-hmm. it, you can probably just get off of these because they're not going to get played anywhere really but mono red. Yeah, no, you have to be almost mono red. I mean, the only other place it got played really at all was like I think some Delver list played them. Okay. As like you know, you hit with your Delver, and then you get to draw two cards. Yeah. Two cards in air quotes. Right. Uh, you can't cast Force with it, but you can, I think you can cast everything else. Why can't you cast Force with it? Uh, the alternate cost on Force is from your hand. Oh, okay. Uh, so you can't cast it from exile for its alternate cost. You can pay five mana for yeah, it. Yeah, I gotcha. But otherwise, I think like days is just you can return an island instead yeah. of paying its casting cost but yeah like that's the only other place it's like it's seen play in all formats but mm-hmm. basically always in burn right and if you're not about that life this card's not for you yep uh last card on the list is a mythic so there are two uncommons 
worth almost a dollar more than this mythic. And when I saw this card, I was like, oh, yeah, that is a card. Yeah. Seraph of the Scales. Is $2. $2 even. She gone. Yep. Make it go away. It's, it is like a reasonable rate, but like black white hasn't really ever been good. It's black white is as good as Thoughtseize makes it, and there's so many better things to do with right. Thoughtseize in yeah. every format than play black white. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's a four mana four three that dies into two one ones, but also gets like death, death touch, touch or, or vigilance. Link. Oh, it's vigilance. I think it's death touch or vigilance. If you put mana into it, like yeah. you're never going to like, you're never going to be in modern like, yeah. ha, Seraph of the Scales. <laughs> and then you'll be like, you're dead. Yeah. So yeah, Seraph can go away. Yep. Like, I feel like I have like homework now. I gotta like <laughs> go get rid of stuff. Yeah, that's why I make these lists, man. Yeah, like Hydroid Crisis makes me sad. I like, bought into Crisis right around 20 bucks. So if I can get 20 bucks for them now. Yeah, that's kind of where good. I was in. Yeah. Yeah. I just like worry that. What if I have to pay, play Crisis at uh, Charlotte? Mm. Mm, that's true. Yeah, that's another thing you have to think about. Like, yeah. you know, you know, what? Maybe are you not gonna... sell off all your breeding pools for twenty-seven dollars a piece either. Then, yeah, you have to think about like, what am I gonna want to play in? Yeah, film the like, Hey, I'm going to a GP, and I want to like not have card availability be an issue. Yeah, so. I'm never going to cast an Absorb. Right. I have them, Yeah, but I don't hate myself that much. I think I have Invasion Absorbs for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> you're, a man, you're a man of taste. <laughs> a man of culture with his Invasion Absorbs. So, yeah, I think you can just be mindful. Like, if yeah. you're planning to go to a Magic Fest. Yep. Right. And your- also, like, if you're playing a card somewhere, you know, don't just sell this stuff because I told you to sell it. Like, the cards are for enjoying. They're for playing with. Yeah. And... You know, if you can play the game of I'm going to get off my Kraysai at $20 and I'm going to roll the dice and I think they're going to be $10 by the time Charlotte rolls around. So if yeah. I need them, Buy back you in. can do that if you yep. need to. Or like, I'm going to get rid of this card, but at rotation, I'll pick it back up when it's mm-hmm. significantly cheaper. Yeah, see, I always have that problem. I always say I'm going to pick it up and when then it's I cheaper don't. rotation, then I completely forget about it until it's in a deck that I want to build and it's already spiked again. Yeah, and you're like, oh, no, why? Yeah. Arena time. Yeah, how about arena? So we've got the festivals. Yeah, this week was a festival of whatever, but it was Perforos. Yeah, and it was the artisan, the basically pop peasant. Peasant. Uh, commons and uncommons. Yep. I built a list mm-hmm. specifically for this. So did I. And then I did not play. I did. <laughs> I played job. exactly three games. What did you play? I played uh, like a blue-red flashy list. Okay. Uh, Stomp, uh, Mischievous Chimera. Stomp? Or not, Shock. Shock, okay. Uh, Mischievous Chimera, not Brazen Bar, or what's the flash guy? The 2-1, put a counter on it. 2-1... Powder counter on it. Yeah, when you cast. Oh a spell. gosh, a Brimborn Cutthroat. Yeah, Brimborn Cutthroat. Uh, Spectral Sailor, Opt, some counter magic. Yeah, Sinister Sabotage. Yeah, and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. It was fine. I I won put, three games in a row and then never never thought about it again. Never thought about it again. I put together what I'd normally put together for this, which was I put together uh, a pretty nice uh, Boggles deck. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't. I just didn't bother to play it, and I was like. I put it together and I was like, "Ooh, maybe I'll just play some like best of ones and see how this feels." And I was like, "Well, they're, they're best of one." 
No, I was like, I was just like best oh. of one standard. Like, <laughs> You're just gonna run it through standards, yeah, see what happened? Yeah, I ain't scared. <laughs> but then that was like, no. Basically, I built like the green white auras deck. Yeah, that's in standard minus assassin champion. Yeah, and I was like, eh, I don't care that much. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so the next one because peripherals will probably be done with by the time this episode goes live is uh, Nylea, and everybody has the giant monsters emblem. No, I, I didn't know what the giant monster emblem was. I had to look it up. It's if you have a if you play a creature with power four or greater, you draw a card. Yep, it's a uh, Kiora's static ability from War. Okay, I think that like incentivizes you playing some like of the three mana four one chimeras. What about Uro? Whew. Yeah, you just draw all of the cards. Yeah, you just Uro. basically you should play Sultai or casual tryhard Sultai. Oh my god. <laughs> I guess there's only there's only one card in the deck, just Uro that triggers it. So you're playing all of the Uro. <laughs> you, you just play, you just do play Uro like six times every game. I had uh, right before you came over. I was playing a game and I had Lily out, Dreadhorde General. Yeah. Do you know how good Uro is when you draw two cards when you play it and sack it? Oh my gosh, I haven't had a chance to do that. Oh, glorious, uh, glorious. I I Lilyed. Plus, plus, my opponent attacked all out at Lily because they wanted to kill it. And then I just drew six cards (laughs) and then put like an Agent of Treachery on top of my deck with my Cavalier of Thorns. And I was like, you have made a multitude (laughs) of mistakes. Yep. Like you can never beat this Lily (laughs) or this Agent of Treachery. You could totally do that. I think you could also just build a deck that is like, all the three mana, four power yeah. creatures, and just like everything's an Uro. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just and just try you to could bury play uh, Furious Rise too. It's one that draws you like extra extra cards. Oh, it exiles a card if yeah. you have a uh, creature of power four or more. Do you have to pay mana, or is it just to do it if you have creature four or more? No, it just okay. triggers triggers on your end step. Yeah, and just basically get all the value. Like yep. Bone Crusher Giant's great in this. Oh yeah, stomp you. Yep. Play a play, play a war through that draws me a card. Yep. Do you play Kiora though? Do you just go like super hard into I mean, maybe. like I'm just gonna draw maybe two cards every creature? Could very well. Yeah. I don't know if they'll get me for this one. I don't know if they'll get my gold for this one, but we'll I think see. they're fun. They're a nice change of pace for a minute. They are. Like I know I, you you got other things you're working on, but Yeah, they do a <laughs> few. <laughs> uh they like that's what I've been using, like I'll sometimes forget. I'll be like, but it'll be like, oh, it's Wednesday. I can like brawl, yeah, and just get my four wins playing some stupid brawl deck, mm-hmm. which you know, on some level, casual tryhard Celtite just feels like a stupid brawl deck. <laughs> it's like, what turn is it? Seven. How many lands do you have in play? Twelve. Fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I have all. What are you gonna do this turn? Whatever I want. Yeah, all of it. I'm gonna dress. Four, gonna, four cards this turn, and we're going to figure something yeah, out. I'm going to bring an Uro. I'm going to mill some stuff. I'm going to bring it back with a Tamiyo. I'm going to Agent. You just do whatever you want. Yeah. Also, as we keep bringing this up, you know how great it is to like, Thought Erasure someone, then play a Tamiyo, tick down, and Thought Erasure them again? Yeah. <laughs> like, like It's like turn six. You have eight lands in play, and you're just like, all right, you're going to have no hand now. <laughs> like I don't care what you've done. Sure, kill my Tamiyo. I'll deal with that dumb thing. Like, yeah. whatever. I'll be you at have 30 no here hand in, like, left. 10 minutes. It's fine. Yeah. So, we were talking about our arena data. Yeah. We got 49 games in. Nice job, guys. Um, 
and I told you what the data was beforehand, and you were like, I've not played against any of those. Right. So the deck that we had the most of was Blue-Green Ramp, yeah, or Blue-Green X Ramp. Yeah, I haven't played against the Ram, Ramp deck in a very long time. Yeah, so that was about 20% of the metagame, and then off-meta was another 20% chunk. I'm going to okay. do a quick look and try to find something that does not have... Well, I guess any of the monocolor decks are just not being played. Yeah. But well, uh, aren't red. red. Yeah. Maybe is it Flash or Esper Dance? And try to put Teamer Adventures okay. in there since that is the new hotness. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, 20% blue-green X ramp. And the the version I played against three times yesterday mm-hmm. uh, was Bant, which did ha- just had like a dizzying confusing selection of cards yeah you said it was playing like nissa and shatter the sky yeah i was like what are you doing like i understand you don't have to cast a shatter the sky when it's in your hand but you also can't cast a shatter the sky if you're just gonna stone rain yourself right like this doesn't seem to make any sense at all yeah yeah but it, it looks like it was it's like they were like well i like what they're doing in blue white and I, I like being able to actually close a game. But I don't want to ever have to hold up Absorb. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like a tap-out control deck mm-hmm. and play Hydroid Crisis and Nyssa. Yeah. Fine. Went 2-1 and one against it. I think I misclicked and conceded the game. I was yeah. talking to my wife, and I had up Cast Swift End, Cast Murderous Rider. Oh, you cast and, Murderous Rider? And I cast Murderous Rider with a Nyssa on the board. And I oh. was like... I was just going to concede. Yeah. I was like, God. I was like, ah. She's like, what's wrong? I said, I said yeah, I just uh, lost myself this game. I clicked the wrong thing and uh, lost the uh, concede. Oops. So that was my that was my losses. I just threw away a game. <laughs> uh, but I saw that three times in one set of five games. <laughs> and it was a different player each time. Like, I yeah. didn't recognize the name. So that seems to be, like, the new rampy hotness. All right. I guess because you get to play Crisis, like you can just draw enough cards to like bury traditional blue white. Yeah. But, and it has Elspeth Conquers Death, which is just like yeah, a. Yeah, that's nice. A really solid. Was it playing Teferi too? Yes. Yeah. So it was just like, it was like take out the counter spells, put in Nyssa and Hydroid Crisis, was basically what it looked like. No Uros. And Uros. Yeah. So it's like doing that thing. It has better removal than our deck has. Yeah but is less consistent on yeah. flipping over its deck. Yeah. Um, it's probably really hard to turn two Lazav, turn three attack with an Uro, right? The I blue- mean, when you're not playing any black cards, it's yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, you're 0% to do that. <laughs> so we had those two, and then close on the heels of blue-green X ramp mm-hmm. is mono red. Mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of mono red. That was 18%. And then right after that was blue-white control at 14%. So basically, the metagame is in most of our games were like gold, and I think Ken's probably in diamond Yeah, doing Ken things. What about um, either Fires or Teamer Wreck? Fires, 2%. 2%. All right. Teamer Wreck. Uh, nowhere to be found on the list. Of the off-meta stuff, we have a Grixis Control featuring okay. Kroxa. 
Yeah. Blue light skies and blue red tempo. I guess like red black sack is kind of the next thing. Mm-hmm. I think I played against the one blue green flash deck. Yeah. You said that was a weird list though, right? It was somewhere around like the Pro Tour, uh, I guess Mythic Championship 7 list that had like Nyssa. Mm-hmm. But like it also had like a bunch of Hydroid Crisis. It was just like a weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Game one, I think I changed where I put it in the in the chart four times. Yeah. Because like I was like, oh, this is clearly ramp because they played Anissa, but then they played like three Night Pack ambushers, yeah. and I was like, it's just just a weird ramp list. And then like the next game, they were magically frilled mystics and yeah. sinister sabotages. I was like. What hand did you flash. keep? <laughs> yeah, so it, it bounced around. It's like, what am I playing against? <laughs> we were fine on stuff, but yeah, it looks like our kind of metagame is blue-green ramp, mono-red, and blue-white control. I did see, was it Dominic Harvey tweeted that like he's on like Sultai ramp? Okay. Uh, basically the blue-green ramp deck, but with Casualties of War. And a few other black cards. Yeah, I heard a couple of people talking about Casualties of War over the weekend as a way to combat this uh, team of adventures. Yeah, like that just seems like you annihilate them. Yeah. And they don't really play counter magic, so it's not like you have a, have to worry right. about it getting countered. I mean, that's a, a sideboard card for the Sultai deck. Yeah, I mean, they play uh, Aether Gust, though. I've been Aether Gusted. Oh, God, them. yeah, that's just miserable. Like, you don't want your six-mana spell getting Aether Gusted. That's... No, that seems, that seems awful. Yeah. I mean, it's sad when they Aether Gush your Uro, but yeah. you also have another Uro in your hand, so you're just like, okay, I'll put that one on the bottom. Yeah, you know how Let's many times they've Aether Gusted an Uro and I put it on the bottom? Yeah. All of them. Yeah. I like, have never put an Uro on top. It's like, I'm just going to get another one of these. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I've already got one in the graveyard. Yeah. I've already got two more in my hand. It's fine. We're good here. Yeah. If you can beat Ramp Control and Mono Red. Yep. Which is a, a weird set of decks to like be good it's like the ramp decks probably beat up on the control decks yeah i guess it's the rock paper scissors thing your it ramp sure deck is. beats your control deck and mono red probably beats up on the ramp deck pretty hard yeah do you want to uh now that you've made the video on our list you want to uh tweet a deck list out or you want just oh i look? can i can yeah i guess i didn't like take a picture of it. I, yeah, I can take a picture of it and tweet it out i mean you could just send people to the youtube video also yeah i could but. i could just uh Make you go there. Make you go there. Get some <laughs> get some views. I do do a like a short like deck know, tech like, at the beginning. Yeah, yep. like eight minute deck tech, and I walk through the card choices. And did I get to win a game with Thassa's Oracle? I don't remember if I did in the video. I did today. I've done. I've done a couple games yeah. with Thassa's Oracle. When you're like, especially when your opponent just like stops trying. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, so far behind. Well, they or they're like they're at parity. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's got like eight cards in his deck. I, oh, yeah, I'm just yeah, gonna yeah. win. You look like a madman, and you're just like Cavalier of Thorns. Put all my cards <laughs> in my graveyard. And Thassa's Oracle. I had one where I had ten cards, and I went plus a Tamio, play a Tamio, plus a Tamio. Thassa's Oracle when they were tapped out. Yeah, I had Oracle in my hand. I had eight cards in my library, and I knew there was one Cavalier left in there. So I plus Tamio. Named Cavalier, hit the Cavalier, played the Cavalier, played Thassa's Oracle. Yeah. And they're just like, I'm sure they're just like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just like, yep, that was, that that spicy one-up <laughs> was here for just such emergencies. That's right. 
I think it was against Blue White that did that too. Yeah. Because he was beating me down with two Dream Trawlers. He's like, hit you with two Dream Trawlers. Okay, I'll cast three arrows. <laughs> uh, I do believe you You dealt me one damage. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Yep. Good job. Yeah, you're like, cast all these arrows. Oh, okay, cool. Now I'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That card is in there specifically for those matchups. Like, I'm going to mill myself out anyway, <laughs> so why bother? We got anything else on Arena, or is that tie that up? I think that's basically it. Like, yeah, it's it's weird that um, ramp is that much mm-hmm. of the metagame when no one can remember playing against it. Yep. So with that... I'm going to um, wrap up here. Yeah. I uh, wanted to do a quick shout-out to all of our new listeners, because we have some. Oh. Want to know how I know this? How? Because I don't know if you've paid attention lately, but we're averaging like... 360 downloads an episode now. Oh, that's like 60 more than we used to have. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Make sure you're uh, telling your local play group, all your friends, people at your local game store. Uh, spread the word. We're doing a good job. Yeah, I, uh, I've i just been uploading them. I haven't looked yeah. at our like downloads. Yeah. I think we're almost to like 15,000 total downloads. Wow. Yeah. One day. Moving up in the world. So thank you, everybody. Tell your friends. Um, if you want to send us a buck or two on Patreon, uh, we will figure something out for a give back. If you have ideas of what you want as Patreon awards, let us know. Uh, make sure you use our TCG affiliate link. If you're planning on buying any cards like foil croxes before they get super expensive. Um, anything else? Uh, I think that's about it. Oh, I wanted to touch on something that we brought up last week about collector boosters. Okay. I was like, I want to buy some foil oxes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, these are going to be expensive. They're $7. Do uh, you know how much foil Thassa's oracles are? Are they still super cheap? They are $7. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, collector boosters. The world is upside down. Collector so, boosters. With that, yeah. you can tweet at us and see if I get around to putting up a <laughs> sweet, sweet uh, Pioneer deck yep. at casual tripod on twitter yep you can find us on facebook casual tryhard mtg if i get a second i'll try and throw a deck list out for the cth sultai list if you want to shoot us an email with feedback questions comments concerns even if you just need a hug i'll send you a hug oh. you can do that at uh email show at casual tryhard mtg.com uh, like I said, make sure you're using our TCG affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Check us out on Patreon. Check us out. Check us out. Check us out. Check us out. Yes, please. Yep. And with that, we'll catch you at FM. FM.